graduation is always a special time. You get to meet uh, your students' families that you've been interacting with for the past four or five years. There was one student, a nursing student, and she was in one of the first classes I ever taught. So it was very neat to be able to see her in that whole transition from me being a brand new teacher and her being a brand new student to us both being on the same stage at the same time many years later. Hi, I'm Kimberly McCorkle, Provost and Senior Vice President for Academic Affairs at East Tennessee State University. From the moment I arrived on this campus, I have been inspired by our faculty, their passion for what they do, their belief in the power of higher education, and the way that they are transforming the lives of their students. This podcast is dedicated to them, our incredible faculty at ETSU. Hear their stories as they tell us why I teach. In this episode, we will talk with Dr. Sean Fox, an instructor and laboratory coordinator in the Department of Health Sciences in ETSU's College of Public Health. Last fall, we presented Dr. Fox with the highest honor ever given to an ETSU faculty member, the Distinguished Faculty Award in Teaching. Dr. Fox, as I was driving into campus today and past university school, I was reminded that you began your ETSU story there as a seventh grader and now you're a faculty member at the university. That's correct, yes, my family moved here and I started seventh grade and finished on through uh, high school at university school and I, I enjoyed it and it's kind of surreal to, to come back here and, and teach. In fact, if you had cornered me uh, back then and said I would be an instructor here at ETSU, I probably would have laughed because I, I was like many teenagers, I wanted to uh, go away from home and, and experience things and, um, and so yeah, it, my, my roots brought me back here to uh, ETSU. And, and now you have kids there at university school, is that right? Yes, I have three kids. Two of them are there. I have uh, one that is in kindergarten and one of that is in, ironically enough, seventh grade right now. So I want to start this podcast out with the same question for every guest. Take me back to your first day at teaching at ETSU as a faculty member and looking back on that day, what is one piece of advice that you, you would have given yourself? Well, I have two bits of advice I would give myself rather than one. One is a funny one and one is a little more serious one. One, the, the funny one would be that you should always bring a, an extra change of clothes with you. It's the <laughs> first day of classes. I was getting ready to go teach my first lecture and we in the microbiology department have an autoclave and we have to uh, put media in there to sterilize it before we use it in classes. And I had taken it out and I was kind of rushing to get ready for class and one of the bottles broke and the liquid that was in there went on my clothes and saturated it and it was some chemicals that was making my uh, skin itch and so I had to change but being an avid runner the only clothes I had in my car (laughs) were some running shorts so I attended my first lecture uh, ever at ETSU as a as a um, faculty member wearing a nice button-up shirt and and running shorts. Oh, so memorable. For yes, the absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yes, please bring an extra change of clothes with you always. Uh, but the the more serious thing I would go back and tell myself is that it's yeah. going to be okay. I know in these big life mm-hmm. moments when you when you make these big big leaps in your career, you get a little nervous that you're not prepared or maybe you're not ready for it. But I would go back and say you you've got this. Great. So walk me through your journey, going back to when you graduated from university school and eventually returned as a doctoral student. Sure. Um, University school was great. I had a fantastic um, high school education there. And then um, 
I went to Virginia Commonwealth University for undergraduate school, and I had ambitions and got my undergraduate degree in forensic science, um, which was a little bit different than what I'm doing now. But I had a really great mentor that kind of fashioned my interests there and helped me explore some, some different avenues. And so I finished my degree there, and my wife and I knew we wanted to come back to the, the area. Uh, we were planning on starting a family, and so uh, the stars aligned and came back here and started the uh, Ph.D. program at Quillen and had a great experience there as well. And then the opportunity to join as a faculty member opened up um, serendipitously uh, at the end of my tenure in my Ph.D. and kind of made the smooth transition over to main campus. Tell us more about the mentor that you had at VCU. Sure. Her name was Dr. Uh, Lloyd. And I had just, on the chance, reached out to one of her postdoc students who was teaching one of my classes and said that I really wanted to get some research experience, more so to help me in my career because I was pursuing forensic science at the time. And lab experience would always be very beneficial to that. And so uh, I was very appreciative of it. She took a chance on me and she gave me kind of wide open range to... Uh, explore things in the laboratory, and it it really paid off. I was uh, a published author uh, Mm -hmm. as an undergraduate, and it really opened up the doors for me down the road. So I'm always very appreciative of the the chances that that she took, and I try to keep that in mind whenever I take on research students as well. I try to keep that door open because you never know how it's going to shape or affect someone's life. Yeah, the impact of mentors. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell us about the courses that you teach at ETSU. I, I understand you teach in some semesters over 100 students per semester. Yes. I, I In some of my classes, I have 100 students in just that one class. But um, I, most of the classes I teach are for the health science uh, department. We have general microbiology, which is a nice introductory course that our college uses, but also the College Arts and Sciences. So it's kind of a mixed bag of students that come in there. And it's their first introduction to a real microbiology-based course, and it's got a lab associated with it. Um, I also teach human genetics, and I I know I'm very, very biased, but I feel I'm very um, blessed to have those two topics because I think those are the two biggest topics that are out there right now. We've got this whole um, new world of microbiology, uh, particularly pertaining to the pandemic that we just went through, but also uh, human genetics and genetics in general is just uh, our advancement in that is just exploding now. So um, I feel very fortunate to um, be able to teach those classes. I also teach a biomedical techniques class, which is a very hands-on class where we teach students um, hands-on skills in research and development. We have a healthcare simulation class where we try to get our students some exposure to kind of the real life experiences they would see out in a healthcare facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also teach a supervised teaching class for master's students. And what I do in there is help students learn to become their own teachers. You have a range of students then. Some, oh, some who are laser focused maybe on a career in microbiology or science, but you have others who are taking your class as a pre-health professions requirement, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I'd say about 90% of the students that I come into contact with have some kind of future ambition in healthcare, whether it be medical school or uh, physician's assistant school or things like that. But uh, it's also interesting about 10% of the students I have have no connection to it. They're taking microbiology as maybe an elective that they've always been interested in, or they want to know more about microbes or genetics. So those are kind of a fun uh, group. And I always try to tease them and tell them, I'm going to try to sway to the dark side in this class and convert (laughs) you over uh, and try to pursue this. That's great. 
As I mentioned in the beginning of this segment, you received the Distinguished Faculty Award in Teaching last fall, and that's a huge honor, especially for someone who hasn't been teaching here for many years. What was your first reaction when you learned that you received that award? I'll be honest, I was, I was blown away by it. Um, I had just received the uh, college level award for teaching, and I had no idea that this would be something in, in the works as well. So uh, I, was, I was very humbled by it, um, but also very appreciative. And I remember that the nomination for that award was actually spearheaded by your students who collected over 20 nomination letters that had to have had special meaning for you. Absolutely. Um, it was very neat to be able to see the impact that those 20 students, and they took this upon their own initiative. I had no idea that they were doing this. Um, but seeing the letters of impact that they had written to the committee uh, was really probably one of the highlights of my teaching career. Yeah. So as the winner of that award, we asked you to deliver the commencement address last December, and you and I sat together on the stage and I noticed that many of the graduates who crossed the stage uh, seem to know you. I'm assuming those were your former students. Tell, tell me about that. Graduation is always a special time. You get to meet uh, your students' families that you've been interacting with for the past four or five years. Uh, there was one student particularly I think you're probably referring to, and she was a nursing student, and she was in one of the first classes I ever taught. So it was very, uh, you know, very neat to be able to see her in that whole uh, transition from me being a brand new uh, teacher and her being a brand new student to us both being on the same stage at the same time many years later. You shared that moment. Yes, it was, it was, it was wonderful. So you talked about teaching the genetics course. Uh, so much groundbreaking information and discoveries are, are being introduced in that field. How do you stay abreast of new topics? It is really hard. Genetics, we've probably learned more about it in the last 20 years than we have in the last 100 years. And so there's constantly new information and new discoveries and we're even finding things that we've kind of held tried and true over the many many years that they're actually different than what we thought they were going to be so I typically have to update that class every year and we've got a lot of things in the works right now to kind of expand that just because we're seeing the impact that genetics has we've seen we're seeing professional schools overhaul their curriculum um, because genetics is so important to include it and so, yes, staying abreast of that is, is a daunting task, but um, it's very beneficial to most of the students that we have right now because this will be their first introduction to genetics that they've ever had most often. And you joined the faculty as a lecturer in 2013, which is certainly less than 10 years ago. But I imagine that you've already seen tremendous changes in, in the field of teaching that have taken place during that time. Tell us a little bit about what you've observed. There are probably two areas that I've seen the most impact. One is more of a long-term change that I've seen, and one is more of a short-term. And the long-term one would be that we're seeing that more employers, more professional schools, and even students are expecting more hands-on kind of real life experiences in their classes. It's yeah. not so much the, I get up and I lecture for an hour and then that's it. They want those hands-on skills and those are very essential job-wise or professional school-wise. So the biggest transition I've seen is trying to incorporate real life scenarios or real life hands-on skills into those classes. And so that's one thing we've really worked hard on the past say 10 years in our department is to to bring those into the classroom the short-term change i've seen is obviously the the big thing that's affected all of us the past two almost three years now and that's covid and so while it's been a rough transition for for all of us it's really kind of ignited more of a catalyst on how do we deliver 
mm-hmm. our education. Yeah. It used to be we would stand up in a lecture room and people would be in the, the lecture hall. Uh, but now we have the Zoom is ubiquitous through all facets of life now. And so it's easy to pop on there and and see someone across the country, maybe a specialist or mm-hmm. someone who is lecturing on a certain item. Um, so that's really been a good thing in the fact that we all kind of needed that catalyst to see where the next kind of evolution of education is going to be. Yeah. And I still am very big on in-person learning. I think that's absolutely paramount. But making it so that we can kind of mend some of these newer technologies and newer ways of distributing education is is something I've seen in the short term that we're not going to be going back to what we yeah. were pre-pandemic. Silver lining moment of, of the pandemic, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there there is yeah. absolutely some good to be taken from it. Yeah. So I'm curious, how would a faculty member with, with hundreds of students each semester balance the demands of work and family life? I live my life 30 minutes at a time. So um, I teach a lot. I have about 20 research students that work with me. And then I've got three kids at home. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife has a job. Uh, We have soccer practices and swim lessons and all kinds of different things. So I've really learned plan things out as well as you can, but live every 30 minutes at a time to, to keep it online. That's great. And speaking of family, you come from a family of educators, right? Both my parents prior worked at ETSU. Uh, My father was in the College of Education, and my mother worked in the Department of English. And so, yeah, you could kind of say it's in my blood a little bit. I kind (laughs) of, you know, made my own little path by going the science route. Uh, But, yeah, definitely a a big history of of teaching in my family. It's wonderful. So the last question for every guest, what impact do you hope your students will make on the world? That's a good question. And I would probably say the, the, the thing that I usually try to tell them at the very end of the semester when they're leaving is just to do good. And you can take that as a, a number of different things, you know, be good at something yeah. or um, to be good to other people. And I'll, I always, for my research students, I print off this photo that my wife and I found uh, just we were hiking and it was in the backwoods and you would never thought of anybody of putting something like this up, but they attacked up a wooden sign on the uh, tree that said, do the best with what you have where you are. Yeah. And that's kind of a good hallmark of wherever you go after ETSU is, you know, do the best that you can with whatever career that you choose and wherever that place may put you. That's great. That's a wonderful message for students. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. It's been great having you, and I thank you for all that you do for our students. Clearly, you have transformed the lives of so many people, and we are so lucky to have you as part of the ETSU faculty. Thanks for listening to Why I Teach. For more information about Dr. Fox or this podcast series, visit the ETSU Provost website at etsu.edu provost. You can follow me on Twitter at ETSU Provost. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like and subscribe to Why I Teach wherever you listen to podcasts.